Reimagined on the end or no? Yeah, but you some reimagined, yeah. Just check it. Okay. <laughs> I feel on the spot now. Welcome back to BDSM Reimagined. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm Lad, I am a Don. Um, I am 27 years old and I am from England. Yes, that's right, listeners. As you have heard, we are talking to a listener. It's a new part on our show where we would like to meet new listeners and get to know them learn about them, drives them crazy, and, you know, some of the other sides, the more vulnerable sides. We always like that. This is Lad. Lad, I've spoken to on Instagram. Is that right, Lad? That's absolutely right. And I must say, I love that pronoun. I love Lad. It's got so many, like, mm, connotations for me that just really, like, turns me on. (laughs) Pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely right. We've spoken about this before, actually, on Instagram, um, because usually dominant guys go with sir master or boss but you've chosen lad mm-hmm. and that's a really specific one which i really which really actually excites me what i really like about your profile lad is that uh you'd seem very genuine which is quite hard to find mm-hmm. we spoke and connected quite quickly from memory uh i think we both started to open up about particular struggles but also particular interests and it really helped develop on my end at least a real genuine connection which I really, really value. Absolutely, same here. Yeah. And I think on the online world, we're lacking that in a sense. There's a real bravado, a real show. Mm, I agree. I think that a lot of the time I worry when I get a message from someone I've not spoken to before because it's very hard um, on that platform to know what sort of direction that person is planning on taking that conversation and you don't know what kind of mood that person's in. They don't know what kind of mood you're in. Mm. Um, So many ways it can go each time. Yeah. And you, it's and that's what I mean by considering. You're very considerate, Dom. Even the questions you ask in your posts on the stories, you ask certain, should I post it? Not should I post this, but uh, you always invite audience participation and their opinions. What kind of questions are on there, lad? Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I think, I suppose I should start by saying the reason I created the account in the first place was to enter a community that I wasn't part of and didn't have access to. Um, So then what made it more interesting for me was finding out now that there's a reasonable following on there, um, how can I post things that I find fun, because it is meant to be fun for me, um, but also that other people will actually enjoy and interact with, which then boosts this idea of interacting with that community. Um, But I think I've tried to be very careful to make sure that I can interact with that community in two very different ways. Um, I think the way that I've communicated with Michael most of the time has been conversational and has been, as you say, you know, we've, we've connected on a few different things that we've got in common. Um, and I think with others, it's been more focused around the kink and the fetish side that we share and sort of questions and conversations about that. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And there's always a, a particular manners that you have as well in your responses. I know that when, <laughs> and I played the dom role as well before, listeners, in case it hasn't been explicit enough, lad is a dominant, He's a Dom male and, you know, that really turns me on and he's, and he's British as well. So that's also <laughs> boxes. <laughs> Indy, we're going to boot you out of the show right now. We're going to have our own session. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah, so, um, lad is definitely a dominant and yeah, which is quite nice to have a male dominant on the show. Indy's obviously a dominatrix. Yes. Well, femdom. Findom. Femdom. Femdom. Fem. <laughs> <laughs> you just got that on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, Indy's a femdom, and it's nice to have a male dom on here as well. Before we get too deep, I would like to shoot off a few quickfire questions, lad, just to lighten the mood, get a bit more of a sense of who you are. Is that all right? Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. Good. So don't think too much about these. It can be simple yes, no, or um is usually the, the common response. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There'll be 10. All right. Question okay. one Favorite flavored ice cream? <laughs> Ironically, vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> what? Okay. This is this show is taking a whole new turn. <laughs> Question two: Cats or dogs? Ooh, dogs. Indy, what are you? Just curious. Cats. Oh yeah, you got one. Oh, anyway. Okay. Question three: 
Invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Mm. Listeners, if you didn't know, if you haven't got Lad's profile, looking at him, he, he loves to bulk at the gym. Is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah, not so much after the pandemic, unfortunately, yeah. but that's very much where I was before. Question four. Favourite childhood TV show? Ooh. Um... <laughs> Uh, favourite child TV show. I've gone blank on that one. That's fine. We'll come back to it. No problem. Number five. Say a word in Spanish. Uh, biblioteca. Oh, yeah. One. <laughs> and that means library? That's right. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, question six. Why can't we tickle ourselves? <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> Why can't we tickle ourselves? Oh, geeky answer. I think tickling happens when you don't know where you're going to be touched. So if you touch yourself, you'll know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And okay. we like it when we don't know it's coming. Uh, yeah. That's a Is really that concise a... answer. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Question seven. If Voldemort offered you a hug, would you accept? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like a quick punch. <laughs> Um, eight. Are reindeers real creatures? <laughs> they are, and it makes me laugh so hard that some people don't believe in them. <laughs> How many people have you met that you've actually had that conversation then? <laughs> um, I think, in fairness, one was a child, and the other one, I think I read someone saying it online. <laughs> but I have heard it before. Yeah. Number nine, say something in... The French language. Uh, anniversaire. Hmm. Is that um, anniversary? It's a birthday, usually, I think. Uh, well, fair enough. That's deep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just trying to pick a word that wasn't hello. Yeah, good, good, good. And last one. Since Indy and I are from Australia originally, can you say g'day, mate, in an Australian accent? Uh, okay. Uh, g'day, mate. Hmm. It's good. Would you let him <laughs> in the border, Indy? Would you be convinced? Woo! To... <laughs> yeah. Passes the test. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. proud of myself. <laughs> okay. Good. Lad, so far you've been telling us that you're a Dom. You have a profile. It would be great yeah. to know a bit more about what your main kink is. Can you tell us a bit more about that? It's an interesting starting question because it's also probably the hardest question um, for me mm. um, in that it's taken me a long time and I'm still not 100% sure what my overarching kink actually is. Um, I think recently I was under the impression that my kink stemmed from, um, similar to what Michael's spoken about before, the idea of um, the chav in the UK um, and a lot of the traits and qualities and things that go along with that. Um, but I've actually found that it's a little bit wider than that, um, which is also where my sort of title, if you like, comes from my pronoun lad. Um, I think that it stems from this idea of a British person, usually British, not always, who is quite popular, quite cool, quite athletic, quite sporty. Um, they usually sort of, again, with the idea of the chav, they're usually dressed in a sort of tracksuit or something athletic um, with trainers and all that kind of thing. But I think that my type extends beyond that slightly in that I think chavs, I think you've said on the show before as well, I think the stereotype of them is that they're sort of a little bit rough um, and maybe if I can say this in the nicest way possible, a bit um, lower class perhaps, um, that Mm. kind of side of things. I think that my type extends a bit beyond that and actually I was having a conversation with my partner the other day. I was saying, I think maybe it's that I like chavs, but I like chavs who are slightly classier. Um, I don't really know how to explain it very well. Um, but I yeah. think that when I talk about the kind of person that I like and where my fetishes stem from, I tend to, I tend to call those kinds of people lads, um, yeah. which is that where I've got my pronoun from. So as you're starting to talk about all of this, it seems like a lot of focus for your kink is a particular type of man. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think it stems partly from just the kind of person I'm attracted to. Um, I I would say that I do have most of the time a specific type, not always. Um, I think, you know, there are surprising moments where you meet someone and you just like them and that's life. But 
I'd say I do I do have a type um, that that would probably be the type where that comes from, I think, is an interesting story as well, perhaps. Well, yeah, well, that actually comes into our next question, which is where did it all begin for you? Like when was your first moments or do you have a specific moment that you can remember as a child? Mm. I think I'm, I'm very conscious when I'm telling this story that I will probably end up speaking a lot about some negative experiences and that a lot of it will come from probably what, what I would now come to call some some minor trauma. Um, and I'm also a bit aware that I don't want the listeners of your show to feel that, you know, all kink comes from trauma. And um, this is very much my kind of understanding of my journey and that kind of thing. Um, where it all started, interestingly enough, very young, when I was about 10 years old, um, so I was in primary school, maybe year six, I realised that I liked to spend a lot of time around the other boys in my year. I liked to spend a lot of time around the boys who were more popular than I was, um, they were usually footballers or boys who played a lot of sport. Um, and at this point, obviously being 10 years old, I didn't know what my sexuality was. Um, but I was aware of myself enough to know that for some reason I wanted to be closer to the boys around me at school. Um, at the same time, I also noticed that I, for some reason, wanted to also wear the trainers that the boys were wearing. Um, none of it made sense to me at all. It was just something that my brain told me I wanted. Um, and then that sort of went from there. I think I pretty much ignored that until I was in maybe secondary school a few years on. Um, and then it became similar sort of things, wanting to be closer to certain people and that kind of thing. Um, but then it became this sort of stereotype that I've spoken to about um, with a few people who have had similar experiences where you'd be in a PE lesson and you'd find an excuse to go off to the toilet or any, any other kind of excuse. You could go back to the changing room um, and then you'd sort of try on some of the trainers while everyone else is in PE and that kind of thing. And then it becomes very hidden. And I think that hidden nature of what you're doing there makes it feel quite um, naughty. And I don't mean naughty in, in a sexual way. I think in a very legitimate, I feel like I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing kind of way, which made me feel quite uncomfortable. Like I'm hearing that a, a big part of this is that you're drawn to these other boys, other young, older boys, mm. and there's for you not a clear reason about why. Yeah, uh, I think the reason behind it changed throughout the years, but there was a common theme. So when I was in primary school, I was, um, let's say I had a very poor set of social skills. Um, I found it very, very hard to make friends. As a result, I didn't have many friends in school. And I was very conscious that these boys that I tended to like were very popular people. Um, so I think the attractiveness at that point, sort of prepubescent, was about their popularity and their acceptance. Um, and not necessarily their acceptance of me, but the acceptance that they get from others that I, I could see around me. Um, and it being something that I, I didn't have. It wasn't something I'd experienced throughout my whole primary school sort of life. So I see. So they were embodying the kinds of things that you wanted or the experience you were having in school was the kind of thing that was far removed? Mm, very much so. And so you were drawn to be around them in their orbit, around their popularity. Yeah, absolutely. Very well put. And then I just wanted to pick up on another thing you were saying, which I, you know, as much as you want to talk about it is you mentioned then that when you'd be in sport class, you'd go and try on the trainers of the other kids. To me, as I'm hearing that, it just seems like it's kind of like a symbolic walking in their shoes kind of thing. Is that what was going on? I think it's interesting you say that because you've jogged my memory about something I've long forgotten about, which is I think at that age, it was there was this feeling of wanting to be like that person. And yes, I had actually thought when I was a bit younger about this walking in your shoes kind of um, metaphor. Um and I think, yeah, it was very much about becoming like that person. How strongly linked that metaphor and the actual physicality of wearing their things are, I'm not sure. But those two things definitely existed in my head, definitely. Can you say what, what that was like for you, just being a kid? Again, I'm, I'm getting the picture of a kid who found it awkward or you didn't quite know how to connect. And then, and then you're in this, cl this classroom or this gym room no one else is there and you're walking around what was that like for you what was going on um all the feelings I think excitement there was some positivity to it you know this kind of 
I'm getting to do something right now that I've wanted to do. So, you know, that there was yeah. a nice side to that. Um, confusion, a lot of confusion. Why do I feel like this? Why do I want to do this? Why am I doing this? Um, shame, definitely shame. You know, this mm. isn't something that normal people do. This isn't something that anyone around me does. Um, this is odd. This is weird behavior. I was very conscious that the things I was doing were not normal mm. in the sense of what I could see other people doing and wanting and talking about. Mm. I think what's interesting is that uh, it's actually more normal than we think. I, I certainly several times dressed up in my dad's clothes. Like I'm not into formal attire or business stuff, but I remember uh, a specific memory where I was, no one was home. I went into my dad's cupboard and I put on his business shirt and trousers and I was playing dress ups, which is a very common thing that children do in nursery reception is that they take on the mum. I'm going to be the mum in the kitchen and let's get the auntie and they play these dress ups, which is an incredibly important role where we try to imitate these, um, the spirit of what we, of what we admire and are drawn to. Absolutely. And I think two things in response to that. The first is I'm now, I hope you can tell, I'm now an adult who feels that I've got pretty good social skills. I can hold a conversation. I'm quite self-aware. And I know that I now know after speaking to people that what I was doing at that age was quite normal and that a lot of people did do that. And I've got a lot of, I've actually got a shared experience with a community I didn't know existed until recently. But the other thing to um, touch on there is that when you speak about dress up um, and relating it to, you know, being younger in nursery and that kind of thing, dress up in itself, I'd, I'd like to find another term for it because I don't like it as an adult, but that is very much a big part of my fetish is not just the trainers, but the clothes. And specifically, if I can wear the clothes of someone else while we're doing whatever it is that we're doing, that's a really, really big thing for me. Um, mm. And I think, again, it, it all stems back to this idea of being someone that I felt I wasn't. When you say wear the clothes of someone else, do you mean someone you admire or someone in the realm of that masculine spirit that you're also interested in? I think actually it's as simple as it's someone I'm attracted to and maybe that attraction is because they're in that masculine realm or maybe that attraction is because I look up to them in some way. Um, I don't think it always is. I think sometimes it can be someone that I'm attracted to on a very mutual level mm -hmm. um, and there doesn't have to be a hierarchy involved. But um, I think that the for me now, the, the dressing up side of it is an activity that I can remove from the scenarios I've just discussed and I can apply it to other things and still find it fun without having to have it be in that scenario. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense for me. Lad, I'm wondering, you, you've mentioned that you have a particular type that you're drawn to. There's a lot of your kink that's embodying wearing the clothes of or seeking to, to be near. I'm just curious about you said you're a dominant, so I'm just curious about your sessions with subs or who are your subs? Ah, okay, I'm with you. So I think that the way that links in is that obviously what I'm saying is I want to wear the clothes of someone else so that I feel potentially more dom than we could say my authentic self. But then the people that I'm having this fun with are subs, so that it doesn't quite make sense. So the way that I frame that usually is that by... I'm going to use the word forcing very lightly by forcing them to give me their possessions so that I might wear them for my enjoyment is quite a dominant thing to do. Um, and I think yeah. that's where that comes through. But again, as, as we were saying before, I can now at this point enjoy the concept of wearing someone else's stuff without having to feel like I'm being that person. Yeah, got it. So you'd possibly be having a session with a classy chav. <laughs> I like classy chav. Um, and this be... is the thing, it never feels like the right description because I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. Something like that, and then you'd be ordering him to remove his clothes so that you could put them on as an instance of what you might do in a session with a chav. Absolutely. So it might be that they come over here and the instruction is that we will swap what we're wearing, or it might be that... Um, if I was to go to their place, they might put some clothes out for me in addition to the ones that they're currently wearing as well. All sorts of different ways of doing it, really. Mm. I find that so hot. 
I must say, when I look at lads' uh, Instagram stories and posts, they are brilliantly taken. The beautiful, like the trainers, the socks, everything's in place. It's immaculate in some ways, but still very casual and messy in other ways. It's just a really lovely display. You can tell that you have attention to detail when it comes to wearing these this kit. It's it's a really it's a pleasure for the for the eyes. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think that stems from. Um, I think that's quite authentic in a sense. I think that is what I'm like as a person. Um, there are areas of my life that are very checklisted and timetabled and to the point and scheduled and in place in particular. And then there are many other pockets of my life that are organised chaos or in fact just chaos. Um, and I, I quite like the mixture. Yeah, yeah. So you're a young child. You're exploring these different sides of you. What happens in your adolescent years and then your early 20s? How does it evolve? Well, this part of the story is quite simple. The answer is nothing. Um, I turned 14. That was when it clicked for me that all these feelings that I was having about boys and men, I suppose, were because I was gay. And I hadn't actually fully understood that myself until that point. I think that might be a bit late compared to some other people. Um, but yeah, so I, I then came to terms with the fact that I was or am gay. And then that caused a whole heap of other problems. Um, <laughs> I was never the kind of person that one could pretend to be something I'm not, um, ironically, <laughs> in real life scenarios. In real life scenarios, I, I couldn't pretend to be something I wasn't. And also as a teenager, I was quite an effeminate person. So even if I'd tried to pretend to be a different kind of person to who I was so that other people didn't know, it was obvious to everyone else before it was obvious to me. So the opportunity to hide my sexuality from the world wasn't one I ever had. Unfortunately, I mean, we're talking, I started school in 1997. So we're not quite talking today's current sort of social climate with um, homosexuality. It was, um, homophobia was rife in school. And it was something that I was bullied for for a long time and in some ways abused for by other people. And mm -hmm. that made me basically repress everything to do with my sexuality. I didn't want to be gay. I didn't want to go anywhere near trainers. I didn't want to allow myself to think about any of those things because to me, the world was telling me that that was wrong. That sounds quite significant, Lad, as a time in your life then a real turning point in your sexuality that you really had to repress all of that, given some mm. what sounds like really difficult times. Absolutely. I think the the, the two biggest talking points, I think, for, uh, relating to this are that my sexuality, like I say, was obvious to everyone without me having to say anything. But at one point, I decided to say something when I was 14. Um, I was, I think, fed up of having people bully me for being gay when I hadn't told them I was. And I think what bothered me about this was my lack of control over my own identity. I was given an identity mm. by other people that I hadn't given them and I hadn't told them to use. Um, and that really bothered me. So at 14, I did something um, a bit wild. I won't describe it in too much detail, actually. But I, in, in one way or another, I told everyone at school that I was gay. I confirmed it. I made the choice to say I am. And actually now, if someone wants to bully me about it, at least I can stand on my own two feet and I can say, and and I don't have to I can I think in the new scenario I can be bullied for it but I don't have to pretend it's not true which was a slightly better version the thing that then links into that is that my family found out without me telling them and then the response I got from them led to a bit of further repression because they were not supportive at the time I'm just wondering is there a link between what you do as a dom where you have full control over your identity you decide what you wear you know you decide your identity you you create that and a link between that lack of control that you had at the time all of this was going on where everyone else was saying was making assumptions or telling you about your sexuality that's a really interesting question and it's not one that I've thought about before I think potentially yes hmm. yeah I think the answer to that question is probably I think the other thing worth mentioning at this point as well, because we've spoken about my role as a dom a couple of times, I'd just like to let you know as well that I, I've started to refer to myself as a sort of a dom by default. And the reasoning for this is that 
when it comes to the community that I've entered into around the, it tends to be more chav related stuff and the tracksuits and the trainers and that kind of thing. The activities that being a sub in that community consists of are not things I like. They're not things that I've ever found sexually arousing or appealing or fun. For um, example? So, oh, like sniffing trainers, for example, okay. that, that kind of side of things. Um, and I think because none of those things that on average are the things that people in our community who are subs do, because they don't do anything for me, that's left me in a position where I can either meet people in a mutual sense um, and do whatever that involves, or I, as I say before, default to the dom position. So it wasn't something that I went into this community thinking, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is the kind of person that I am and a meet and that kind of thing. It's just sort of how it's happened. Mm. I mean, for me personally, as you know, I've on my profile, my profile bios changed a lot before I said I'm sub, then I'm switch and, and then jock. And that's a response to me orienteering towards what the community is responding to me. Because I have that look where I'm a jock. And that's the kind of attention I'm getting, but I would never necessarily say that before this. And it's me just trying to like, oh, okay, so according to your eyes, community, you see me, oh, I fall into this space. And it doesn't fit exactly, but it it's the best we can I can do for now. Is that the kind of experience you're having? Yeah, I think that, I think what, what I have in common with everyone that I tend to see on social media is that I have a fetish for trainers. But most of the other people who have a fetish for trainers also have fetishes I don't have. So they have them for feet and for socks and for um, humiliation and degradation and very explicitly chabs. But to the more hardcore side of the chab stereotype, which is what I'm further from. So I think I found this community of very similar people who I have really enjoyed talking to and sort of learning about them and myself through those conversations. But I wouldn't say that I currently feel that I'm a member of a community of people that reflect exactly what I am or the, exactly the things that I enjoy and I like. So I think I'm in a sort of middle ground because I'm not entirely sure that the community I'm looking for in its fullest extent actually exists. Mm. Because what are you looking for specifically? Mm, good question. I think that I'm looking for people who have the same sexual interests that I do and as I say I think a lot of the people on the um, social media at the moment are very similar to those things that I like but I would like to find just a small group of people that are into um, more of the side of things that I am so one thing I've not mentioned yet is that one of my other main fetishes that links to this is muscle I am very attracted to people who go to the gym very attracted to larger built people um, that's not to say that I'm unattracted to people who don't. But again, if I was to say, you know, what's my ideal type, that's what it is. Um, and actually, I find that those two things clash because the community of people that really like chappy people generally don't like muscle at all. And they quite like very slim, skinny people. So then, and that for me is quite a major part of what I like. So that they're quite con contradictory within the community. Yeah, I, I get that when I was sub, but I don't bottom much. I don't like to bottom particularly. And it do, it's a contradiction. Like, if you're submissive, then you must be bottom. Or if you're a chav, you must be uh, skinny and something. It's a real, can be a contradiction. A question for you, actually, Michael, if, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, um, having said that um, you're a sub, but you don't bottom, I um, have found in the past that when I've told other gay people that I'm not into anal sex, I am told that I'm not a real gay. Wow. I just wondered if you've, if, I wondered if you've ever had a similar experience. That's crazy. No, I've not had that sort of response but that is uh yeah pretty shocking mm. i'm not aimly overdriven and it's a shame that that's such a center in the gay community well i can't say that it's an no, expectation I've... yeah and i also think actually the reason that that frustrates me so much and this is how it links back to the conversation we've just had is that again within my new community that i'm meant to be feeling a part of i'm told that my identity doesn't fit because if I don't do the things that those people do, I'm not really a member of that community. And I think that's that's quite hard to handle at this age as well. But what's what? that like for you? Because then isn't that a bit like what was going on when you were younger again? Like I think it, it is. Like a similar dynamic. Mm. I think that it is the same dynamic, but the difference now is that I can handle it. 
<laughs> I think that's that's the main thing. If someone comes to you. me and says, oh, well, you're not a real gay. I, I have the power at this age and with the independence I have now to say, well, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah great. Which I didn't have when I was a teenager. I was underdeveloped. I was small. I didn't talk to people. I was very, very intimidated by most people around me. Um, and that, that's not the case now. So I don't think it bothers me in the same way. Um, I just think I find it a bit, I, th I think it makes me sad that the community, or, oh, sorry, some members of the community feel that way. I think that's mm. very limiting of what people are and can be. When you say new community, just to clarify, is that in the Instagram community? Oh, sorry, yeah. I um, yeah, in that sense, what I meant was the gay community, which actually I suppose isn't the new community because that is the Insta one. Um, I think... The reason I say new community is because that was a community that I entered when I turned 19 for the first time. So it was new to me within this timeline that we're discussing, but not quite now. Okay. So on the topic of Instagram and social media, I guess, what is your relationship towards that? What are your opinions? Um, well, it all started when um, I was on my... I call it my main Instagram account, my personal one. And I'd started to, um, I started off by following a lot of people who were bodybuilders or went to the gym and that kind of thing. Um, because that was very much a, a hobby for me was um, bodybuilding and gym. So it was following like-minded people. And then through that, Facebook started suggesting posts that were more focused on trainers and that kind of thing. And then through that, I then found the sort of fetish accounts that are on the other profile now. And I sort of just didn't realise they existed. I thought, mm. oh, this is this is a whole thing that I've just never even thought about. It didn't even occur to me to search for it. So I found that quite cool. And I thought, right, well, I'll follow a few of those and see what it's about. And then I did that for probably over a year. What was that year like for you when you've come into this and see that it's something other people are doing? I don't think it was significant to me at the time, to be honest. I think it was just a, oh, that's interesting. How different. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that I wasn't ready to explore that yet. I think that it wasn't the right time for me for all sorts of reasons. Professionally, I was busy. Um, I was starting a new relationship at this point. I didn't really want to enter all of this stuff into that at that moment in time. So it's very much just something that was casually sat in the background. I'd be scrolling through my Insta, looking at whatever came up. And every now and again, there'd be a trainer's post and I go, oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. And that was the extent of it. And then a little while later... I got the idea, I can't quite remember how, of just making my own one. Became quite nervous about having such an account for, I think, again, mostly professional reasons. Uh, it's not something that I would discuss or bring anywhere in my workplace and that kind of thing. And I was very anxious about having someone from that sphere of my life find this. So I then, again, I think going back to when I was younger, made it seem quite naughty and hidden and I've got a separate phone that has a sim card in I don't even know what the phone number on that phone is no one has it it's only connected to my wi-fi it doesn't have internet on it um mm -hmm. so I only use this insta, insta account when I'm at home in my house and it's sort of yes yeah, it's, it's sort of my little hidden extra social media account on my hidden extra phone at home and it sort of started like that and I think to go into what's my experience or opinion of the app now it's been mostly positive it's allowed me to talk to similar minded people and to feel less alone and to feel that the things that I like and I'm interested in are normal I think the normalization of all of the things that I like has been really really critical for me it's, it's changed me a lot within the past few months what has it done that, for you it's made me feel that I can talk about it with people that I trust enough to talk about it I don't it's not something I tell general people generally in my life but um, I have a partner it's allowed me to talk to him about it which is mm. really significant and um, that's that's I mean our, our relationship's always been very healthy but I think that's only added to that my mental health I think has improved as a result because I no longer feel that there are parts of myself that should be shame uh, should should be shameful or I should feel shameful around yeah lots of positives I think that the negative side of it I think goes back to something we touched on earlier which is when I'm unsure of what someone else is expecting from me when they're messaging me on there or also we were talking about expectations before there are there is a big expectation on the app if someone messages you and says 
it'd be nice to meet sometime it's almost like there's an expectation that you'll say yes and when you don't say yes you are slightly guilted by them for that Mm. they will say things in return like oh that's a shame or you know similar such things and I actually think I'm sorry it's a shame for you I'm sorry that that's disappointing if that was something that would have been exciting but actually I, I consensually I have the right to say no and I have the right to be attracted mm. to whoever I'm attracted to so I, I find navigating that really really difficult because also I, th- I think again Michael you might find this a lot of people on uh, on Instagram with these kind of profiles mm. are anonymous and mm. don't show their faces and attraction for me despite all my fetishes and kinks is very much related to someone's face yeah and so I can talk to someone who will say I'm sorry I don't show my face until I get to know someone a little bit and I think I I respect that I understand Mm -hmm. and then you'll build up a rapport with that person and then later on they will show you their face and then you have this horrible moment where you think I've really enjoyed talking to you but I'm not attracted to you and actually saying that to someone is quite hard and I think it's also quite hard to take if you're the person being told that. So I find navigating that side of it really, really difficult. Definitely. As you're talking, lad, I can hear a real consideration in what you're doing as you're in- interacting with the people on here. I think that that stems from my childhood and my understanding of what it feels like to be left out or to be hurt or, mm. yeah, made to feel bad. Um, and it's it's a real strong moral compass that I've developed that it is never mm. my intention to make someone else feel that way. Mm, good on you. That's actually really helped me as well. I, when I was younger, I would be also very aware of how much things could hurt because I was also bullied. And so online, I really want to, I have this, consider their feelings and be careful of what I say and how I present things to them. I feel mm. horrible if I reject someone based on my attraction to them you know I I feel so bad you mentioned you had a partner (laughs) yes what's the how has kink played out within that dynamic yeah this is a big question so um my partner my lovely partner is obviously gay as well we're in a gay relationship but is sexually I always find this very hard to describe because it's not really my place to say what he is or isn't but it's not something he really talks about um so i would describe him as um quite sexually turned off i think it's the fairest way to put it i've known that about him since the day we met it's always been the way he is and we entered into this relationship knowing that i have a i wouldn't say a high sex drive i have have a reasonable sex drive an average one Um, and i'm also a kinky person and i've also got a lot of things i haven't explored that are important to me and that not being able to explore those things would be a problem. Likewise, he does not have any of that, doesn't feel the need for it, and it's not a need that he has. So we entered into our relationship as an open one from day one. Mm. Um, And the way it's worked has changed a lot. So at first it was, you know, if you want to go and do things, that's fine. Let's just not talk about it, because we don't know what kind of emotional impact that will have on the other person. And then as we've been together for longer, we're in approaching six years soon. It's become a thing that is just a natural part of our relationship. And we do talk about it. And there is no issue there with uh, meeting other people and that kind of thing. So I would say that to answer the question now, (laughs) the kink and fetish side of my relationship is is almost non-existent Mm. from certain points of view. I wouldn't say it is totally. So the, the fetish that we both share is muscle. My boyfriend is quite a quite a bigger built guy. And when he is sexually turned on, it's usually around that side of things. But there are lots of lots of specifics around when he might be turned on and what by and that kind of thing, which make it a bit trickier. So we can both enjoy that side of things. Um, however, he is not interested in the sort of chabby tracksuity laddie trainers Mm. side of things so that that's kind of been quite closed off but I think because of the way we set our relationship up and me knowing that I needed the space to be able to try some of these things it's not something that's been detrimental to us that comes as a massive relief I think to myself and listeners because on on my end my experience is oh I need to be in a relationship with the person in kink it's a must there's no way around it 
but what it sounds like from what you've developed with your partner is that it's just about communication, honesty, transparency, trust, and then a healthy relationship can exist, vanilla, a healthy vanilla relationship can exist out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank fuck. <laughs> just some other questions. Uh, what do you think about switching and have you ever... Yeah, when it comes to the muscle fetish um, and that side of things, I do tend to switch with that. So that usually is just worship-based stuff, sometimes massage, probably quite self-explanatory, I think, that kink. Yeah. I, I switch with that because I enjoy both sides of what that has to offer. When it comes to trainers, chaps, sportswear, that kind of stuff, I tend to only dom or sometimes perhaps have a sort of more mutual relationship with that person and, and there's no subdom going on at all I think again like I said earlier purely because when it comes to that side of things I just don't think that the sub activities that people take part in are enjoyable for me hmm. what's one of your worst moments in kink <laughs> hmm. um I've got to say that I've been quite lucky I think in that I haven't had any particularly awful real life scenarios so far and I touch wood there I think the worst thing that's happened to me generally has been where I've I've arranged to meet someone and I've met that person and when they've arrived or I've arrived there they're not the person they claim to be mm. um, and it's just navigating what you do in that scenario and having that it's immediate confrontation and it's unavoidable and mm. I find the the logic of the people doing that kind of thing very confusing mm. i'm not sure what they think they wanted to happen when you know the two of you come together like it's obvious they're not the person they said they were so i, I found that quite difficult mm. how common is this for you i'd say it's happened three times okay wow in total so that's not not too bad i'm sure it's possibly happened to other people more but yeah, that, that's something I found quite hard. But specifically related to the actual activity going on, I don't think I've had any bad experiences so far, which is quite nice. Very good. What about any best moments then or anything that's been really great hmm. that stands out? I think that uh, th this kind of makes it very clear, doesn't it? I think what, what it is that I'm mostly looking for. I think the things that I've treasured the most and the things that have been most positive haven't been sexual they've been conversations they've been going around to someone's house and talking to them they've been mm. having conversations that have led to me feeling like there are similar people to myself so I think it's it's related to the kink and it's positive but it's not so much the actual activity it's mm. the feeling that comes with knowing people it's beautiful <laughs> it's like another what psychologist in the making Indy. <laughs> if... yeah very much so What's one thing people should know about you? That although in some scenarios I am the Dom, I have a need to make sure that people know that I'm a nice person. I think that I don't like this idea that you're a Dom, therefore you have to be aggressive and you have to be unkind and you have to be, you know, all of those other stereotypes that I think sometimes get applied to Doms automatically. I like to make sure that people know when I'm talking to them and when I'm meeting them that that, that isn't me. And even in role play, it's not something that I enjoy. I don't enjoy pretending to be an unkind person or someone that's aggressive or someone that's you know, any of those things. I think you can be controlling or in control of a scenario without being unkind. I think that's, that's the kind of fun I prefer. It's good. And is there, last, last main question, is there uh, any advice you'd give for people, for someone who's new to kink? Yeah, I think it probably threads all of this discussion together I think my advice would be find your people find the people that make you feel that you are normal find the people that are into the things you are into find the people that you feel comfortable talking about these things with because what, what that's done for my mental health I can't can't describe mm. um, I, think, I think that's that's absolutely crucial um, if you've got this feeling of guilt or loneliness or otherness I think the best thing you can do is find some people that feel the same things you do. Nice. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. 
Lad, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you. We really appreciate it. It's been fascinating to hear about your kink and how it's come through in your life and how mature you sound, just deeply considered and mature in the way that you engage in all of this. Good on you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad it comes across that way. That's uh, news to me. Listeners, if you'd like to join us for a few extras after this show, then you may do so. In those extras, we'll be looking at Lad's current fantasy and going into a bit more depth about that. Until then, take care. And we are back with Lad. Hello. We're going to... Hello. We're going to talk about one of your fantasies, Lad. Can you take us through something that you've recently been fantasizing about or, or that is a fantasy that occupies your mind? Absolutely. I think that this will probably turn into me fantasizing now and you probably joining in with me because it's not something that I've fully thought through, but I'm sure some of these questions and discussion will help that happen. Yeah. One fantasy that I have is having a, a straight lad friend and that friend is someone who I hang out with we wear the same sort of clothes we go and do the same sort of activities it's not necessarily a a sexual thing the fetish and kink might come into this in the sense that just as friends might we might share each other's trainers we might share clothes with each other that kind of thing yeah I think that's where it starts off don't know how much detail I've got yet so you're sharing clothes and then that's that's the main sort of yeah I, th- I think what it is is it's about being so we mentioned earlier that um, a lot of this stems from being unaccepted or unpopular or not part of that popular group that kind of thing and generally that popular group while we've described them as being laddie or chavvy or whatever they're also usually straight so I think that that builds into it too so this idea of having one or multiple straight friends whereby I am in that group And that group becomes something that I'm part of a lot of the time, part of my daily actual life, I think is a big fantasy for me. Because where I'm dressing the way I'm dressing at the moment and doing the dress up stuff um, within meets and that kind of thing, it is fantasy and it doesn't feel authentic necessarily. And I spend a lot of time thinking about which side of myself, which version of myself is is the authentic me? Because it's not the one at work and it doesn't necessarily feel like it's the one that wears the tracksuits and the trainers and sits on the sofa in the evenings and that kind of thing. And I think that the reason this is a fantasy for me is because it will make it feel like it is real. It will be my actual life. I will go out with these people. We will do things together. Um, I will be part of that group that I wasn't able to be part of. And And what would that give you? Do you think, what's this fantasy trying to provide for you? Well, here comes the internalised homophobia. I think it's the idea that I am now normal because I am not part of this special gay community. I am part of the normal community, the heterosexual community, the mainstream community. I am not other. I am not different to other people. I am someone you would look at and go, "Hmm, that's a lad. And there'd be no other thought about it. Whereas I think in my head, not necessarily true, when other people look at me for the first time, they their immediate thought is, ah, there's a gay. And I think that's mm. something that's been drilled into me over a long time. And I'm very aware of it. And I like that I'm aware of it because it, it enables me to have fun with my awareness of that rather than seeing it as a problem or something that affects me negatively. What strikes me is a predominant action in this fantasy is the sharing of kit clothes and trainers why is that something which you fantasize about why clothes I think because they act as a symbol they act as an idea of someone who looks like this or has these things is this kind of person and it's all very limited and it's all very watered down um, and it's all based on stereotype again I think my awareness of that is another thing that makes this quite fun is that I know that and I know that it's not, yeah, sort of trailed off there. But yeah, that's essentially the answer, I think. It's funny because they're mm. objects, and I own many trainers. Uh, the same trainers that the straight men I fantasize about as well own. 
yet when I wear them, most of the time I feel I'm, I feel empowered by them and I feel part of the community of the people who would wear them. But if I sit for too long and think about what I'm doing, I can then feel, oh, but I'm one step away from the, the truth, which is the real straight or the real jock lad chav. I'm, I never can get there. And I can sometimes feel a real frustration around that. Yeah, I agree. A lot of the trainers that I own are ones that I've seen other people wearing who I've been attracted to and I've gone, I want some of those. But when I'm wearing my own, it's not so much of a turn on because I'm aware that they are mine and therefore mm. they don't count because I'm not really like those people. Um, yeah. Even th even though they can be exactly the same trainer and exactly the same size from the same shop, yeah. th the awareness that they belong to me makes them feel less authentic than if they were to belong to someone from that group that I find attractive. In some ways, they become artifacts of the person who beholds them. Yeah. I could, I could have the same trainers, as you say, and swap them with the straight guy, but I'll be infinitely aroused by the trainers I'm wearing now, which used to belong to him. God. Yeah. Yeah. What a crazy species we are. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sexual element. Mm. Well... Yeah. Ah, what's what's the hesitation there? My okay. hesitation there is that within the fantasy, I mean, if we, if we can fantasize as far as we want to, which is what they're for, um, the idea of something sexual happening is awesome. You know, um, the idea that there's this, this person that I'm close with, that I'm attracted to, that I feel part of the group with, that um, turns me on the idea that we might have some fun together is is really hot but i think also if we limit the fantasy the fact that this is built around a friendship with a straight person or a group mm -hmm. of straight people means that actually that kind of acti activity shouldn't happen or wouldn't naturally happen unless you forced it to and again that part of it then becomes a little bit naughty or yeah. a little bit hidden and comes back to all of those ideas again so i think yeah if we allow it to go as far as we can would it become sexual yeah yeah. But then we have to think about all the very subtle things that would have to happen in order for that to take mm -hmm. place. And yeah. And would I be correct in saying that the sexual element, if it were to happen, I mean, before I, before I brought that question up, I would get aroused just by sharing clothes. I don't think I would need the sexual element. But in the sexual element, if it were to happen, it would it be positioned as not gay stuff, just stuff that lads do here and there and yeah, so I agree with you, first of all. I think that actually the, the arousal in itself comes from the close side of stuff. But yeah, I think if it was to become sexual, I think we then fall into to this wonderful stereotype again of the idea that we, I think there's, there's a very common gay fantasy, this idea that two straight guys will go over to each other's house one weekend and they'll put porn on and they'll sort of play with themselves on the sofa together and it's not really gay because they're not doing it together they're just in the same room that mm. kind of thing maybe extending so far as to <laughs> I find this quite funny because I hadn't heard it until relatively recently this idea of the bro job no oh, yeah no. heard about that before just changed uh, my so, profile yeah. now looking for bro jobs <laughs> yeah uh, so this idea of um it, it's a blow job you get from your bro so it's not it's not gay it's just two bros helping mm. each other out that kind of heteronormatized, if, if that's a word, uh, version of a gay activity. Yeah. Can I ask, in your fantasy, are you yourself or are you also part of this straight group? Mm, that's a really good question. It's, it's difficult because, again, I think I've got to a point in my life where I'm very comfortable with who I am, ironically. Like, it stems from people making me feel uncomfortable about who I am but I, I no longer am so the 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 self-aware mature part of my head says no I, I'd just be myself and they would be okay with me being their friend because they're a nice person too but then if again if we stretch the fantasy out to as far as it could go I could be being someone else I could be being a straight person but then I get stuck there because if I tried to fantasize about that 
if I'm me, but I'm a straight person, who am I? Mm. Because I'm not, and I never will be, and I never have been. Mm. And once I allow that to become part of the fantasy, it's no longer me anyway. And then therefore I've actually removed myself from my own fantasy. Mm. So you can, you can end up writing yourself in and out of these scenarios, which I find really interesting. Mm. I just think that's really beautiful, what you're saying, in a way. <laughs> Thank you. I do, because it's, it's a way of sort of looking at how, how, where you are now with your sexuality. Yeah, and I think that I'm quite an analytical person. Mm. Um, I, my brain doesn't stop. I, I think through all the scenarios of every single little thing that could ever happen. And I think that that in itself detriments my ability to fantasize because I won't go, oh, that'd be nice if this happened and mm. sort of just dream it out for as long as it goes because I will go, oh, yeah, but. And I'll sort of, mm. I'll, I'll almost argue with my own fantasy. It's just the kind of person I am. I think it all stems from mm. how I do things. But it's leaking out anyway. Your Instagram is a is a is a portal in which part of your fantasy kind of leaks out. You're taking it least on the kit, and as you say, you'll bring yourself back and think, "Oh wait, but but but." But still, it's finding a way to spill out into the into the world. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting as well. It's in a very minor way, my Instagram has already changed in terms of its content since I made it. So I, I should add that we're recording this in June. I mm. made that Instagram account in January. So it's not actually very old. We're, we're still talking six months. And mm. the person I am now compared to the person I was in January when it comes to this side of my life is very, very different in a very short space of time. Mm. When I first started posting things, it was, I'd put a pair of trainers on, I'd find an angle that was slightly interesting. I'd take a photo of them and I'd put them on. Then it became... I think that was mostly due to anonymity as well. I was a bit worried about having my body in any photos as well. And then when I became more com confident with it, I started uploading things that had sort of like my up to my neck in them, which is where we've now got all the track seats and things on there. So if you go right to the bottom of my feed and then go upwards, you'll notice that the amount of me shown in each picture seems to increase. Yeah. And then over time, I've also gone through and I've removed photos where I thought, I don't like this one anymore, or I don't think the quality of this photo is actually up to the quality of photos that I've been posting recently and that kind of thing. Mm. And I should also mention very quickly, I have got a friend that takes some of the photos for me. And I feel mm. like <laughs> he deserves a bit of credit while I'm talking mm. about this. How does that feel to have like a friend seeing you well, like this and be like, whoa. Oh. It, it's funny that actually that's, that's me being a bit coy. Um, I say a friend, he is a friend, he is, but he's also a sub. Okay. Um, and right. actually some of these photo taking sessions have been one of the jobs that he does when he comes over. Nice. That is a brilliant idea. I am taking that idea. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, makes it makes it a lot easier. So we'll do like a big um, sort of photo session for, for an hour or so, and then I'll go through them all and I'll decide which ones I want and I'll edit them and crop them and that kind of thing. And then rather than mm. taking a photo daily and uploading it, I've got like a small bank from each time mm. we've got together mm. that I just upload here and there. Well done. I want you to go back a bit, back in time. No, no, just back a bit. And you've met this straight lad. What type of trainers is he wearing? Ooh, good question. They are either the ones I usually jump to, TNs mm -hmm. or Nike 97s or Nike 95s. They're, they're always Nike. Everything's always Nike. Um, Interesting. Why usually not? around those three. Do you know, I don't know. I, have, I think when it comes to that, it might just be that I, I like the aesthetic of that brand the most because there is no reason as to why I wouldn't particularly like Adidas, which is reasonably similar. I just don't, I tend not to like it as much. I don't know what the reason is. Yeah. So he's wearing Nike TNs, let's say. Like, do you, is there specific TNs, like the black ones or is it coloured or? or yeah, it, I don't, any? I don't know. Yeah. When I When I tend to buy them, I went through a phase of only generally buying black and white trainers I think mostly because they went with anything I was wearing because I didn't want to make them things that I couldn't wear too soon whereas now I've got a reasonable size collection I've started getting color involved as well I think it would be in terms of what they're wearing it could be any color really I think as long as it's a color not a color that I go oh mm. um, like I have I have a real thing about anything that's neon mm. doesn't 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 do it for me that's so if, if, if it's like kind of bright neon TNs I'm a bit like mm, no because what does that symbolize to you the neon color 
Oh, I don't know if it does symbolise anything. I think it's just I don't like it. <laughs> what does it mean, neon? Is it a harsh colour? Is it a does it associate with? Oh no, maybe it is. Maybe it's maybe it's mm. just yeah. It's just, just don't like those colours. Yeah, I can't think of any any deeper reason behind it. I think it, I wouldn't buy them yeah. because I probably wouldn't wear them. So I think if we then get into the scenario of swapping things with each other, I wouldn't want to swap and wear them because I don't like them. That might be the limit. My experience of, of bright, bright coloured trainers is it's too loud. And that for me suggests the personality must be out and loud. Mm-hmm. And then that, that is a one barrier to my attraction to bright coloured clothes. I mean, you can, I, I love when guys wear like pink pink shirts like that's bright but there's something about the fluoro trainers which i just think you're entering into a different culture one i can't name at the moment to be honest but you're entering into a different place there it's uh yeah it's 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 an attention seeking trainer isn't it yeah <laughs> and okay yeah what type of um is he wearing a vest is he wearing a, a nike top yeah, so this is where my two two sides of things can clash with each other because my muscle fetish was um, very strongly linked to gym. So it'd be, you know, people who go to the gym, people who are in the gym with me and the types of things they wear, which can be very different to the chambi side of things. And they also can be very similar. So I think if I was going to add them together, it would probably be tracksuit bottoms, some sort of gym top or vest, and then with a hoodie on top of it. Mm. And then I think with that, you can actually almost... You can almost transform from one to the other by taking the hoodie off. You can go from chav mode to gym bro mode. Yeah. You're at each other's house. He's come to mm-hmm. your house or do you go to his? I think either's fine. I don't really have a preference as to where it happens. And then how would the initiation of clothes swapping happen? Mm, I think it. I think in my head, it's not that they'd come over this is where it's different to with gay people mm. right so like when you have a session with with a sub that comes over and you'll sort of do a an exchanging of clothes there's a, there's a moment at which clothes are changed I think with this it's the fact that you know just before going home he might say oh I'm going to borrow this hoodie and then it might be that next time I see my friend that's what he's wearing yeah. and I might have also already got things from his last time so it's just like a kind of ongoing casual thing rather than a let's swap in front of each other here and now yeah can i just say that sounds to me like what's going on is that there's a flow or fluidity between the straight and the not sure there's an exchange going on what you're liking in this fantasy is that you're moving between your clothes his clothes i.e moving between yourself and this part of you that you've wanted to be it's not like it's like a dynamic now rather than it being it seems like up until this point, it had always been you're wanting to be in their shoes, literally, like from when you were yeah. a kid. But now these fantasies are more, seems like it's more progressed into I'm moving between these states, these these types. Yeah, I think this is where my fantasy clashes with my realism. Mm-hmm. So as much as, like, if we, again, if we were to take it as far as we could, the idea that basically I end up with, basically so, so much of this person's stuff that I am dressed like that person all the time and I become like that person and that, that's how I am, which would be great. But then there is the realistic side of my life where eventually I'm going to go over to my parents' house for dinner or I'm going to have a friend over for the evening who hasn't seen me in that way before because I only know them from work or you know, when I meet them, usually I'm wearing jeans and a T-shirt. So there's this conflict for me where... I'm engaging with people from a different sphere in my life and I'm presenting them with a version of me that doesn't match their expectation. And because the way my, my sort of world is built for me at the moment, I have you know at least three or four different pockets of places where I work and interact with different people who have a different view of me because of the role I hold there. That means that this, this fantasy isn't something that I could actually stretch into all facets of my life I couldn't walk around and go into any of these places feeling like myself dressed like that and perform the role that I'm supposed to perform there yeah I like Mm. the casualness of of that exchange like you're at the gym he takes his trainers off you take your trainers off he's like oh bro or is there a word oh bro or lad or yeah it's it's any of these uh really stereotypical pronouns that Mm. guys use for each other lad mate bro 
any of those. He says, oh, bro, I like your trainers. Do you mind if we stop for a week? Just something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's interesting as well, because when you first asked this, my, my initial instinct was to go, oh, what sexual fantasy do I have? And actually what I've ended up discussing is something that isn't actually all that sexual, but actually probably is quite authentic as a fantasy for me, which is interesting. It, 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 I think it's made me realise that I'm, I'm not that overly sexual as a person necessarily either. It's a massive misconception. People just think fantasy must mean physical sex. For mm. me, I'm much more psychologically aroused. I prefer domestic. I get much turned on by that. Being a footstool, that's not sexual. I position myself as oral sub. Um, I do like to be oral, but it's not a necessity in a session. It's interesting because this is my grinder profile. Oral dumb. Indy's thinking, why are you two, haven't you met? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I think distance is part of it. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. It doesn't have to be sexual. And it's not, I mean, I also identify as a person who analyzes and reflects and lives in, I don't want to say lives in fantasy, that doesn't give it justice, but I live in a much more psychological way of, of being. And I love that. I've got no shame in that. I really enjoy it. I, it. It brings me a lot of pleasure. But it's not sexual for me. I don't get, I don't want to be fisted. I don't want to be sucked necessarily. I don't want to be fucked. It doesn't, it's like, okay, I like the psychological dynamics that you can play around with. Mm. I can agree with that. That might be a good place to end it. Vlad, it has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you would like to find out more, you can through our website, bdsmreimagine.com. Take care. <laughs>